year five. Today is a special day. show started hey what's up y'all hey hey, hey. what's so, the motherfucking deal darling right so that's what you know, <laughs> i always do our intro uh, our anniversary intro so okay oh my god this is our fifth year anniversary damn it wow <laughs> Five motherfucking years, baby. Five. Dedication. Wow. Dedication. <laughs> oh, how time flies. Um, we have brought on to co-host with us. You know, we do this every anniversary. We have brought on Tylen Ward. She has been on our, you know, show shit three times. Is it three? Yeah. yeah. And she is also known as Deja Opulent. Mirage, <laughs> <laughs> the drag extraordinaire here in Houston okay. and all over the country. So welcome, Ty. Thank you. Hey. you guys. Congratulations. Congratulations on five years. Yeah, I should be very, very proud. I should be very proud. We are. But you know what? I feel like this shit actually started with you and Ty. For me, it started for you. 
the YouTube series. That's how I learned how to pad the African shape hips. <laughs> the balloon titties made of um um salt and water to create saline. Yes. Yes. That was the early of my creating journey. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, I used to listen to y'all like y'all was a fucking um TV series. My I used to shout, uh, listen, be at the uh be at uh motherfucking store grocery shopping looking trying to see how I can get clocked by the ones like just it I I really appreciate you both. Like it, it's so and I keep saying that um it started with you both because I think if if whatever happened in that time where you and Diamond were like, hey, you know what, bitch, let's go ahead and do this. Like, let's go ahead and get together. We're gonna get the equipment. We got we're gonna service the trans community. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Y'all didn't have to do that because girls wasn't doing that. And I appreciate it. Was her. It was her. I was allowed by the ride. It seemed, I'm I'm riding with her, do whatever to the wheels fall off no matter what. So that's pretty much how it was. Every time I go somewhere, I'm sure Diamond gets it too. Um, if there's trans people around, they always say, I remember y'all from, I remember y'all from this. And so in I, trans heart. I, I, didn't, I never think about how, how, how impactful in trans heart was. It was so impactful. I was a little trans kid in Waco, Texas in the sticks. I ain't know no other trans people. And here I go to see two other black trans women just like me and actually teaching. I didn't have anybody I could be like, hey, how you pad, bitch? <laughs> how, mm-hmm. how, can I, how can I get through? What are the steps I need to take? What regimen would right. be appropriate back then? You know, because we didn't, for the girls who didn't have resources, you had to, like a group yeah. sort of yeah. Thing. You care about it. People, the girls didn't talk to each other. Yeah. If you didn't know them like that, they didn't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we just wanted to share what we knew. We had been friends for years at that point, um, mm-hmm. and we just we knew some things. And we've always been the type of girls to share. We never ever was the type of girls that were like, um, you know, yeah. we know something and we want to keep. And it. we're not telling. It was never like secret society with us. It was like we're trying to get on. We we found out. We're gonna tell you, take you if we need to. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So it was always a, a shared kind of resource experience. And so we just once time moved down to Houston with me, I was like, oh, I do this YouTube thing. I had already been doing it on my own. I hadn't kind of I had learned how to do it, like with the camera and editing and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, let's do something specific for trans people. And she was like, oh, we ain't got nothing else to do. Let's just get cute and do it. And so that's what we started <laughs> to do. And, you know, this was the early part of that kind of trans renaissance happening. We It was tons of trans things popping up in the um, um, in the culture my starting of creating definitely started during that time and so led to here and i I love it i love that um this new iteration of creation and you know i've always been a person that wanted to bring anybody who i knew onto the platform come on let's go let's do something (laughs) and i'm weird with that kind of thing because i i I want to be and do but then there's times i'll be like "Mm -mm, i'm good i don't want to do i don't want to so I'm I'm real funny about that in that kind of way. Through it all, I'm super proud of you, Diamond. And I think that this is absolutely amazing, the things that, that you're doing. And 
sticking to it and just like really you know it's just been amazing to watch you know as you know somebody on the sidelines seeing you do these things really want this to be about the celebration of Marsha's play and all the work that y'all put in it's great so this is the first year that um LJ has been with us. We know that the first four years, it was me, Mia, and Z, and Z resigned yes. in um, November or December. And so we brought on LJ and LJ, tell us about your first year experience. It's been amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the show. So I was a listener uh, prior um, and that always felt like in conversation. So to be able to be a part of the show this has been a great this has been a great experience uh for me it took a second to kind of get into the rhythm of everything you know because i'm not the most technically savvy person um diamond and mia will can tell you that i'm like to put the plug into the thing you know you my analog like girl and analog girl in the digital world figuring it out but um now this has been a great experience um to just, you know, I'm a talking part. I like to talk about a lot of things. So it's been great to be able to participate in this platform, um, not only to talk about, you know, issues in general in the community, but also raise some of the issues around stuff impacting black trans masculine people as well. And bring those boy, you know, continue to bring those voices into the mix. Um, but yeah, this is, this has been a journey. Uh, it's exciting to see the, 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 uh, the listener feedback as well. That has been exciting as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a journey. I'm looking forward to year five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, et cetera. So yeah, um, yeah I'm, what, I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of Marsha's Play uh, family. What, a, what I love about you is um, initially you can see um, LJ kind of being kind of guarded, being, um, he was like very worried about <laughs> yeah. like saying yeah. the wrong things and, you know, um, yeah. being politically correct. But over time, you see him kind of like coming out of his shell. And Didn't I said that to you the other day. I was like, I yeah. love openness in these later yeah. episodes, the openness. It was like, oh, totally, totally around open and, you know, letting everything out. So. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it's, taking, like it's taking some time. It's taking some time to 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 um to 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 get it to like I said, get into the groove, you know, um of of not just the show itself, but like podcast land. What does that mean, um as well? Um, but yeah, no, it's it, I definitely feel like I've been able to. I think the last episode I was like, I have a stuck my mind China. So like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was the episode that I was specifically speaking. Ah! <laughs> it was just like rip the bandaid off. This is what it is because you do need to be specific. You know, there's no shame around like you know Amazing. our bodies and things, but also just like you know, yeah. So it's I will say uh, participating, being being a co-host with you two, has definitely helped me to open up my shell a little bit more as well. So that's been great on a personal level as well. I like the fact that um, we don't have the stereotype anymore of being like the three light skin uh, crew. Um, I know that's real. The three light okay? Because we would we would get comments like that. They they would be like, "Oh, some people would even say we weren't even black." Yeah. So oh, I mean, um, that sounds kind of bad. And oh, I'm not trying to um, um, make you seem tokenized uh, by my language at all. I try to be really careful with uh, by my language, but. Um, no. no, I just I'm I'm glad that we're able to be um, um, 
visually look visually look more diverse and also um not just that i think that you have brought a, a beautiful part to the podcast like just how in depth you know about your black history and your feminism i think that's beautiful especially from your experience and like um what you've been through i think that's an important part to share like that those intersectionalities um, especially as a black queer person. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think that you're a perfect fit for the podcast. I welcome you so much and thank you for being here with us. So there was a shift in um, when Z left because uh, not only the visual shift, I I, I, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I concur that. Yes, because we was all light bright. And that was not intentional. Any, y'all know from the beginning, Mia and... Um, and Ty, I intentionally picked a dark-skinned yeah. girl, a brown-skinned girl, and we were all plus size. It, 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 when I first yeah. started, it when right. I when the, when the vision of the show before we came on right. our first episode, I specifically right. had I wanted it to be plus size women, and I wanted it to be it was two other dark-skinned and a brown, a dark brown and a and a dark-skinned girl in my choice of who were going to be my host, but they both just didn't work out for financial reasons, for confidence reasons, for just multiple reasons of why that didn't work out. I wanted us all to be in the same room together so you can hear the natural interaction of us laughing, busting out laughing and whatever was going on in the room. And so I had turned my my, um, dining room into a studio and- and everything yes <laughs> and and so mia you know mia is somebody who is my in my real life friend so like if uh, us her coming to my house for thanksgiving so she's been to my house so when when the other two didn't work out it was just natural for me to say hey mia she's in houston she had moved from um waco and she was literally in houston i was like hey would you like to do a podcast and she was like yeah and i was like what other trans people would you you know who that you know would be bomb to work with and she was like oh i just met this guy uh, this trans guy and he would be dope i was like oh bring him over and see how we mesh. And she brought Z. They weren't even like, it was really early in their, I don't even think they were dating officially yet, but they had no. just met. And when, wow. they, when Z came over and we all was talking, it just was a magic that we, they just was open enough for us to be dope together. And so I was like, oh, I didn't even think about bringing a trans masculine person on it so i was like oh that's a whole other flavor that i didn't think about mm-hmm. and so they came on and it just worked and so we made it work in re- in regards to that and then add on top that they were going through their early stages of dating and we could mm-hmm. see you know their problems and they talk about their problems and talk about the issues that they were having so that was a whole other flavor yeah. that i could not even have planned it just was perfect it was just perfect and so um so he just brought a whole different vibe so not just the visual but also lj you brought a more nuanced experience about your identity you being gender Mm -hmm. fluid all three of us were binary z is trying Mm -hmm. to you know not trying to be z is was uh, on his on his cis normative looks and how he wanted mia was on her cis normative look how she wanted i was on my we were super Mm -hmm. binary people so you Um, you know, you bring a sense of fluidity that was refreshing and your experience is a little bit more, um, 
I want to say exactly non-binary, but you get what I'm saying. It's it, you know, it's it has that nuance to it, and so mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that at the, and that was even more perfect, even more perfect because um, it just brings a different flavor. So that's what I appreciate appreciate mm-hmm. about this year that you brought. And I don't. This ain't no shade to Z. It's for whatever reason when you came on, my nigga. Yeah. Our fucking, <laughs> our fucking views <laughs> shot to the roof. We were getting an average of like, um, like twenty five thousand, like twenty five thousand a month. But soon as that January hit, when you came, when you came in December, soon as that January hit, baby, we was hitting up to forty every fucking month. Wow. Forty five thousand, forty six thousand, thirty thousand, and you know. And you know, there's multiple things that that attribute to, but I attributed to a, a portion of that to you just being, you know, bringing a different vibe. And so, you know, I really appreciate that. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So, yeah, we're, we're going to start with here are your three top shows with guests. And um, your number three top show, it was episode 217. Um, it was called Present. It was featuring Neverending Nina, uh, a Black trans artist and singer. She's sickening. Her voice was low. I love her song. Yeah. And um, she released an EP by the same name, and she was the guest for the episode. I really wanted to hear Diamond's take on um, Anything that was specific that stood out to you or anything that you're taking from this interview? Anybody who knows me know that I love music. I love music on a very soul level. It is it is one of my first loves in my life. First thing that activities that I actually fell in love with to do. Um, and so seeing a trans person follow their dreams, a particularly a dream that I would love to follow that I when not now because I have other dreams. And but when I was younger, you know, it was something that I always felt like I couldn't do because um, because of my transness, because of my queerness, because we didn't have the doors open at the time that I came out. And so by the time I get to this era where, you know, it seems like it's more feasible, that's not a necessarily a dream. But seeing her actually go after it was powerful to me and then us talking about our voices and the unique um how trans trans people sound different expand on that a lot of trans people who are singers you know we want to sound like what we're presenting 
Well, I, I feel like for me, um, you know, I have a deep voice. And so the, my deep, when you, when somebody hears my deep voice as a trans woman, it invalidates my womanhood in a sense in, in their ears. It's not, you know, we love deep voice women like a uh, Tony Braxton, uh, 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 deep, deep voice cis women like a Tony Braxton or, uh, um, Anita Baker, you know, people with those deep voices, it's kind of sexy. It's seen as sexy and sultry, but when it's coming like from voice. like yeah. a husky voice, but mm -hmm. when it's coming from a trans person, it, it's not deemed as sultry and sexy. It's deemed as manly and clocky. <laughs> and so, and so, um, and so for me, accepting my voice as is was a journey. One spark, yeah. one moment of spark of when it really got to the point where oh you really can accept your voice and i know people hate this album but um i loved it um because of its raw and just the experience of it lauren hill's unplugged album um that antiquity or something something whatever the name of it was. i know i know what you're talking about <laughs> that in that album now we know she is pick me ho tippy all that kind of stuff so <laughs> Sometimes as trans people, we hear stuff, we, there's stuff we're used to making messages fit our life, <laughs> even if they're not intentionally for us. And so mm -hmm. one of the messages that she had, she was like, she felt like she was a slave to her art. Like she couldn't even speak to her children because she was on vocal rest, trying to keep this pristine voice for her audience and trying to make it perfect, drinking tea, not talking to her children, not just living life because she had to um keep this voice you know and for the people and she was like i wasn't enjoying music anymore i wasn't i wasn't it wasn't about what something it wasn't something that i loved anymore and so she said what y'all hearing now is you know i I'm, i may be a little hoarse if i'm hoarse i'm gonna come on stage and i'm gonna give you the voice that i can give you this is this is the voice of a woman who lives life and so sometimes mm. if i crack if it's not pristine it's da 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 and when she said that in my brain I was like, I just related that to me as a trans person. Yes, I do have an unconventional woman's voice, but as a woman, it's a woman's voice. So you're going to exactly. accept it, right. for it what it is. Exactly. And so if, you know, I'm going to use my whole range, I'm going to use my falsetto, I'm going to use my depth, I'm going to use as high as I can get, and I'm going to use as low as I can get. The point of me singing this song is for you to feel it. The point is for me to deliver it in a way that it sounds good. And if I do that, regardless of how what gender I sound like or whatever. I hope you enjoy it and I hope I convey the connection to the story that this song is trying to tell. And that's what that did for me. And so I, that's what me and Nina talked about. For me, I want to do it all. I want to use my yeah, instrument. Yeah, yeah use my whole instrument. And so that's what that's what stood out for me in that show. Honestly, just seeing both of you, every time y'all talked about music, it's just, you can hear it in your voice. I didn't even have to look at your face to know that you, there was like a, a movement between you both that that made me enjoy that interview so much. Yeah, I loved it. Well, we're going to go on to our number two. It was episode oh, wow. seven fair featuring Vernice McFarland. In this interview, uh, they expressed some issues that arise uh, being trans and coursing dating life what is um what is the biggest issue you face while dating that you have e that you've either come to terms with or that you've uh, 
either fix to better your experiences going forward in dating? I think one of the challenges I've had with dating um, is, well, it depends on home dating. But one of the challenges I've had with dating is uh, in terms of women is that most of my history and even uh, early in my transition, I dated women who were in queer and lesbian type of communities. And so in terms of like expectations, not being familiar with, you know, straight people culture, <laughs> like that definitely has been a challenge. I've dated women who are straight. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that's where I learned that, oh, girl, you got a challenge, <laughs> you know, and I also used to just avoid dating straight women in general. Um, you know, because I knew a lot of lesbians that dated straight women, and it's always seemed to be like very challenging, stressful. <laughs> so, like, I was like, let me just stay over here. Um, but that's been one of the challenges, and I, I would say one of the of the big, actually, the biggest challenge is just like being, is you know, pushing myself to date, because like you know, uh, how I dated has changed, and uh, like a lot of trans guys, I was in a relationship when I first started transitioning medically. So like I didn't have to worry about dating. I didn't have to worry about <laughs> navigating. So so that's that. I think that's been the biggest challenge. And I don't exclusively date cisgender uh, queer women, right? So like just pushing myself to be open and put myself out there, I think, has been one of the one of the challenges, um, especially since I relocated uh, within the last four years or so. So I think that's the biggest thing is just like giving myself the freedom and pushing myself to take the action more so. Uh, to put myself out there more. I think that's that's been a challenge and being okay with exploring new things or being okay with um, and I think I am more so now. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the that's been the biggest challenge. It's just like you know, just be open you know, and uh, put yourself out there. I wanted to uh, see because I ain't got no teleprompter. I'm feeling like Patty LaBelle. Where are my background singers? Oh, okay. Okay. It's gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, the patty. Yeah, the with the nails. Come on, baby, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna bust. Out. We're busting out the package of number one spot um, for uh, guest appearances, interviews. It's episode number two zero six. Xavier. First of all, Xavier, we, we were talking about old school content of mine. When I started YouTube, Xavier was starting YouTube too. <laughs> Xavier is one of those YouTube old, old heads as well, but just on the trans masculine side and literally on YouTube. Um, I wouldn't want to say um, they did something um unique in the sense almost like not detransitioning to go back to um you know like I'm going back to being a woman not that but detransitioning a little bit in the sense of oh I don't actually need to be this toxic masculine and not necessarily that he was toxic but I don't need to be this perfect specimen of cis manhood and so I'm actually not going to try to do this in this way anymore. I'm going to have a little bit nuance to myself. While I'm not going to, um, I'm not going back to being a cis woman, but I'm going to go back to do, being still on the masculine and trans side, but I'm just going to try to do it in a way that is more comfortable with me where I don't have this man box of restriction. And so that, that is something that 
I thought was powerful. That is something that I have always admired about X and is something that he that he brings to the table that, you know, I just appreciate. And I think it resonated with a lot of people. And so, you know, when we have the trans masculine experience on um, somebody as open as him that is not in that cishet bag, it always resonates. And, you know, when we look at our numbers, we have a very high percentage of non-binary people that listen to us, not as high as, you know, others, but I'm proud when I see, you know, we're in that 15 to 20% in non-binary people as our audience and Spotify shows us that. <laughs> like, I know that, you know, you are, like I was saying, you're the, the, the open Winfrey of the black trans interview game, in my opinion. And, uh, I thought that was a great interview that you had with him. I know that you've talked about, you know, the inclusiveness, making sure that, you know, Marsha's Play is a uh, inclusive of non-binary peoples. What what makes you purposefully go out to do that, to make sure that that everybody is included, specifically non-binary people? Okay. Well, first of all, um, while I am not non-binary, I think the work of non-binary people is beneficial to us all. I think it's beneficial to trans people. I think it's beneficial to cisgender people. I think it it, it benefits the world. I think that the gender binary um, is a box, create creates boxes that we all have to fit in. And the more expansive those boxes are, I think the more comfortable we can live our life. I think that the less harm that can be done in regards to how when we don't fit into those boxes, um, I think the less harm is done. Um, Because think about it, if 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 um, Alok, the amazing Alok um, Mignon, when they are running around, you know, with their tux out, with their beard, um, with, you know, in dresses with, uh, you know, hairy legs, hairy chest. That's so extreme. If we, if we allow that person to be free and allowed to express themselves, their gender in that way, somebody with a little bit of stubble who may be non-binary, who, I mean, who may be binary with a little bit of stubble, that ain't nothing. I feel right. like that having that more expansive idea of how um, somebody can express themselves, it al- and it allows us all to be free. And that's not just trans people. That's just that's cis people. That's men if they want to dress in a certain more, um, you know, in a more open way. That's women if they want to dress, still be um, straight, still be whatever that whatever they want to be, but they can express their gender in whatever the way that they want that the end still work and still, um, and still get jobs and still get opportunities and not be discriminated against. I think that is the direction that we should go while it's okay to be binary. It's okay to be able to express yourself however you want. It is the people who is, um, who is doing the work for us all to be free that I think is important. So that's why it's important for me to um, have them on the show and share their experience and share the platform that I created because I think their work is powerful. And, um, you know, wherever you fall, wherever you fall, whether it be more in the middle, not in the uh, androgynous or not on the gender spectrum at all, <laughs> just whatever, however you want to be, I feel like 
sharing that experience gives a depth of knowledge that I cannot give you as a binary trans person. So I have to bring people on to share their experience so that somebody who is listening for the educational purposes can have a depth of the trans experience that I cannot only give myself. So that's why it's important. Uh, you also spoke about uh, self-care and um, and um, like surgical procedures, hormones and th those kind of things. And uh, I wanted to ask uh, Mia, uh, do you feel that the medical field has made things more accessible to trans individuals? And if so, do you think that HRT accessibility, um, surgeries, those kind of things um, should be at the parent's discretion? Or do you know what what with all these people that you know they're saying that you especially here in Texas where they're saying if you you if they're going to people's houses if you are allowing your child to transition they can be arrested. Um, what are your thoughts on that? On that? So um, I my thoughts have shifted. So I remember saying you know people should be able to do whatever they want, uh, whatever they want with their children as long as they're not harming them. Um, I really thought about that afterwards. And I had several conversations about like, you know, because um, children um, being prescribed hormones and um, different um, perspectives from different trans people, um, cis heteronormative people. And I came to this conclusion how I feel. So there should, I feel like there's some truth to both parts. I feel like with cis people, when, um, um, excuse me, not what I feel like, but from my perception, um, from the conversations that I've been a part of with cis, um, uh, normative, binary, heterosexual people, um, <laughs> so they claim, um, that usually this, the argument is usually, um, you know, because, you know, you're, you're still sterilizing kids and, you know, you're trying to make them be something that they don't want to be by educating them. And, you know, our response is, you know, hey, from well, from my perspective, from the uh, queer community and the people that I know, our response is usually, hey, you know, I wish somebody would have loved me thoroughly um, and wholeheartedly with uh with no conditions when i was young so that i would be able to have a more fuller life and that's mm. been my experience and that's usually my rebuttal and depending on you know the conversation <sighs> but after thinking about it and thinking about like how things have changed right so there was a time where it was not easy to get access to hormones diamond and tie lj y'all know that Exactly. It was not easy to get access to hormones. So now see there was a there was a, a, a step process that you had to take. You had to you had to uh, go to see a therapist, make sure that you were mentally okay to be able to start this transition. This some of the, some of the steps that you take in this transition are irreversible. Make sure that your mind is prepared. Boom. You take that to the um the doctor the doctor goes over it you get your hormones boom after that then after you 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 get your hormones then you can you can go and get your legal documentation changed because you done 
you that you done you done certified you know hey this is actually something serious then it goes on from that this this step process but now from my from what i've been seeing the younger generation because we have fought to open up the door the door is fucking open open so where everybody got access to hormones you don't have to go see a therapist all you got to do is say you trans. I seen two trans, um, two trans. Okay. So now let, the reason why I know this, hold on, I'm, I'm getting, I'm going, I'm getting ahead of myself. Excuse me. The door is wide open. You can, you can just say, Hey, I'm trans and get prescribed hormones without even a mental evaluation. Right. And from my perspective, um, there were two trans, um, girls that I was trying to help in Waco, Texas. Wake, I'm from the sticks. Y'all know ain't no resources out there. So I was like, hey, you know, I, I have some, no shade. I have some underground resources. And if you need help, I can help you with um with medical resources. I can I can send you some places that maybe may be able to help you in a rural area where cl you're closer to Austin. You know, I'm trying to help in this way. Are they kids were, or just young? No, they weren't. No, they were adults. Yeah, they were adults. Okay. Um uh, um so the, long story short, they were able to, to access the hormones. Um, I asked them about it a week ago, oh, probably a week prior. In the next week, they had hormones, prescription from um, the doctor. I said, how did y'all get this? This all we did was uh, slide a little slip, took it to the doctor, and they gave us our hormones. Bitch, what? I mean, but it, it's like but a, you know, it's a whole process. A whole process. Mm -hmm. And so my thing is now TikTok, um, because we have so many um, available resources for children to educate themselves because the adults are afraid of us educating them. They're educating themselves. Right. And so there's miseducation while, you know, teens are trying to find themselves. And as we do as adults, we're steadily finding ourselves, but they're finding the new them. And they're making these choices based on popularity. Because now we see trans people are becoming um, tokenized and becoming popular because of this. Oh wow, the trans renaissance! So now it's a, and now now you got children who may feel different, may feel queer, but they also want to be popular. So you got that going on. So you have this whole slew of kids that are detransitioning now. There is a detrans uh, a big um thing of detransitioning kids um on TikTok right now because so many have um decided that they have made the wrong choices. Specifically, they have decided, I'm not saying that they did. Um that that's what they have said. And so my thing is I I want them to take the right steps so that they're not making mistakes. I also I also want I also have like some pushback about hormones before puberty because <laughs> baby at 18 I would have had a sex change before then. I would have had a pussy right now. Kids, remember when you asked me, hey, did you have a kid? I said I do want some now. Now mm -hmm. my whole idea of what I want now has changed because I, I'm, I'm, I'm able to love myself. I had so much internalized transphobia that 
I didn't realize that my internalized transphobia was pushing me towards a sex change because I thought that's what I was supposed to have as a woman. So I think that, I think that, I think that kids somehow should have an, I don't know how they can do it, but they should definitely, if they're going to transition young, there should be some way that they're able to preserve, um, their specimens like um, sperm or eggs so that one day they can't decide, hey, this is that. I want to have children in the future or I don't. I think that's something that's something um, important to to think about. And that's, 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 my, that's my view on it now. That's my view on it. That kind of seems like a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, kind of, because you want people to be, you want people to be able to get you know get the things that they need but say my parents don't feel that they don't feel that shit and where do i how do i get it if i can't get it myself and how do i get it so it, it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't it's one of those things of you know that's just where, where it puts me at. it's like um even those i've heard people compare that to uh compare uh parents helping helping their child or guiding their child through transition um, is the same as uh, sending a child to um, the the uh, the gay away camp. Let me let me say this just so we can be very very clear because I don't want to give misinformation um, on our show. So there are steps that a child now Mia gave examples of adults, young adults that were getting that it was easy for them low barrier for them to get um, hormones. Children, there is a step. You cannot just go to a doctor as a child and and get hormones. You can't. You have to have parents' permission. That's number one. Even if you have your parents' permission in the United States, you cannot go and get a sex change until you are an adult, until you are 18. You can, it's, it, there are steps as a child that are, you are blocked from just doing. Another thing, with your parents' permission and in with them together, there is a way, and it's very, very common, that you can get on just blockers and not have the permanent effects of like hormones affecting your sperm and all that kind of stuff, which is a lot of parents do just to give their child time to figure out if this is what they really want to do. They actually just put them on blockers because if you just put them on blockers and not the hormones, they can actually go back if they decide to go back. And this is a very common process. I think that's what Zaya is. Yes, it's a very common process which trans children care for to give them plenty of room to decide if this is not for them. It's really, really common. It's really, really um, carefully curated between the parent, the child, and the doctor to make sure that they have room to decide and, and make another decision if they go back. So it is, it is not a norm for a child to just be on their own, it is with their parent and their doctor for they get to that, to the, for them to get to that level. Now, if they change their mind, it's okay for them to be on TikTok talking about changing their mind. It's okay for them to be in the process without any permanent damage because they were just on blockers and that's pretty, pretty common. And so um, I wanted to make sure that was really, really clear of what we were talking about. I think that the perfect example of 
um, transparenting is definitely Gabrielle Union and um, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> yes, Dwayne Wade. Um, I think that the, if if you want a role model example, I think they're doing a, ma- uh, a amazing job of it. I just think that we're in this rena- renaissance um, where we're we're opening up doors and um, we're we're trying to figure out the ropes. We're all trying to figure out the ropes. And so I just hope that we're all making the right decisions so that um, we don't regret it later. And I hope that we're loving um, the people that are are making these decisions so that they know that they're loved regardless. May I add one more thing on that? Um, yes, I was going to ask you anyway. I was going to, I wanted to do my time as a queen. I mean, I don't, you know, I think to your point, Mia, what you're talking about and what you're seeing on TikTok, I think uh, one thing that has happened over the last 10 years or so is that the way we talk about trans stuff has shifted to like combining everything or health aspect, a social aspect, a legal aspect, a surgical aspect into one big category. And it's like, we're talking about trans youth. We're talking about non-binary. And it's like, that's cool, right? But we moved away from like, I always joke around and say there was less information, but it was more accurate back in the day <laughs> compared to now. Um, and so I think we can do a better job at, at that because you do see what you, I do see what you're talking about, Mia, and young adults, not, not children, but in young adults of um, just kind of a cultural, social approach and not really understanding. I think I mentioned on the show, I know trans masculine people, folks who are non-binary, AFAB folks out here who just really didn't understand their hormones. Like, we're just like, why did I get my period? And I'm like, well, did nobody, when did you take your shot? I don't know. And it's like, girl, you got to take your medication. This is a medicine. This is a controlled substance. And so I think, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I come from a scared straight, straight generation of, of trans folks, 2.5 or whatever, who <laughs> were like, okay, this is going to change your life. And there's going to be stuff that's going to happen to your body that you cannot control if you decide to take these hormones. There's da 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 And you just have, like, you got to be prepared for a lot of unknowns. And I'm not saying we should scare straight people, quote unquote, but I do think that um, particularly for a lot of younger people, I think that there it is a disservice not to to really be clear about, hey, there's different aspects to transitioning. There's a social aspect. There's a medical aspect. There's a, you know, a, a surgical aspect. There's a legal aspect. And not everybody does all these things. Like the only thing everybody does is a social aspect. Right. It's like I want you to use the right pronouns. I'm trying to navigate work, whatever. Um, or even in the case for non-binary folks, like I fit in that category, even though I don't use that label, but non-binary is a gender identity. It's not a gender expression. So people can look like they're in the binary and be non-binary, right? Um, and so I think youth are youth, right? And like excitement around youth is a, is a, you know, it's like a real, you know what I mean? Like it's a real thing. A lot of the funds we have for queer youth, you had the Earlier, you had the the money going to gay straight alliances, and then the money has shifted to trans stuff, right? But sometimes a lot important details in general, and not just this, but just I just mean like the structure, how things operate. A lot of times, those really important details get lost in the sauce. I do think we could do a better job at like not us, but we do it. But you know, the powers that you know LGBT Inc. You know, Inc. Inc. Right? Incorporated could do a better job. Uh, Cause I understand why you want to be general to like get the support and all that kind of stuff. But 
you know, when I'm running into folks who are AFAB can go in and not do blood work before and get still get their hormones first, that's a problem. You need to do your blood work. Like we need to be able people this is a medical control substance banned at the at the Olympics. You know what I mean? Particularly with testosterone because it's so, so powerful of a drug. Right. And it's a steroid. And if you don't know what you're doing, if you're just taking whatever dose, you can blow your heart out. Yeah. You know what I mean, so so it's really important. Um, I think that's I think. Yeah, I think when it comes to young people, um, young adults, like I think that, um, I, you know, I don't you know, I think, yeah, just being able to kind of separate these things has kind of got lost in the conversation around acceptance, which is a social thing. There's a lot of information about to supporting trans people. There's not a lot of information for trans people, right? And so, like, I think there needs to be more information for trans people about how to take care of yourselves, how we take care of ourselves and our health and these different aspects. Um, I, I, yeah, I just think the information for allies outweighs the information for trans people. Another element that I want to throw into the ring of this conversation is we have to make sure that some of the, our opinions and our um, views are not based on the cisgender gaze. A lot of times, first of all, it's only like 1% of people who are detransitioning out of, out of all trans people. It's only like 1%. And it's not saying that they're, it's not saying that they are not important, but um, what we, but we, one of the reasons why we like to focus on um, detransitioning people is because that is one of the scare tactics of the right. It's one of the scare tactics of cisgender people to try to say, see, look, they didn't even like transitioning. And so we almost feel like in this position where we have to defend and explain detransitioners. Look, just like sexuality is fluid, sometimes for some people, gender identity is fluid too. Everybody is not set in stone in regards to what, how they identify when it comes to their gender identity. And we're not going to explain the difference between sexuality and gender identity. That's 101. We did that, you know, year one. So, so I'm not going to explain that. So in the realm of gender identity, some people are more fluid. Some people are set in stone. Some people are like, I know what my gender identity is. And it's like that for the rest of their life. That is usually the norm. But there are some people who, you get what I'm saying? They're a little bit more fluid. They go through the world and say, hmm, I want to try this out. This doesn't work. Ooh, I want to try this out. This didn't work. And in that process of them learning themselves, sometimes it looks like they're going back and forth. Sometimes it looks like they may be going in a circle. And sometimes they got to try this out. Sometimes they try this out. And sometimes there are going to be some permanent things that they try out that they can't come back from. I, I hear a lot of trans um, masculine people say, ooh, I got on hormones thinking this was the way to go and uh, it just wasn't. So now I got this beer and I don't really want to, you, you get it. it didn't work out, but that was their process. And it's not about, we got to allow people to go through their process and learn through their stages. Now, as far as children, yes, their parents should be involved in that process so that they are, um, so that they are, as guided by the medical field as they possibly can. But once you get to younger, once you, they become adults and you are in your 20s, this is the process where people are just living life and there's going to be some things that we cannot control in our, in our world that we, there's going to be some people that turn around. There's going to be some people that do some spins and backflips and falls and so many things in life when it comes to this life. And we are not responsible for that. Our responsibility as, as a community is to give them support and not give them shame.
That is where we are. And so while I am a non-binary person, I have had no, um, while I am a a, a binary person, I have had no qualms about whether or not I'm a woman. That is something that has been set in stone for me. That does not mean that that is somebody else's experience. And I want to give room to them who are going through that journey of fluidity when it comes around, when it comes to their gender identity, to be able to do that without the outside community judging it and the inside community saying, you're making us look, you're making it confusing to the cisgender people when you're going back and forth and you're making it harder for us. I think that that is internalized transphobia. It is. It does not help our community. I think that you, we need to know that there are some people that are going to have that. And one thing about white supremacy is they have the blessing and the and 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 cisgenderness that 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 the privilege of being cisgender is they have the luxury of being an individual without it affecting the all the rest of them they have the luxury of saying oh i can be flip-flopping in whatever aspect i want to be flip-flopping and it does not affect the perception of though the of the whole group i do not want to live in a world where one trans person's journey is a reflection of mine. Yes, I, I love that we have a connectivity and there's gonna be some similarities to our experience, but there are, are some differences and some vast differences in other trans people's experience. And I wanna have the, I wanna have live in a world where we all get to experience our gender, experiment with our gender in different ways. And so I want that to be very, very clear when I am talking about, um, you know, this 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 idea of being scared of cis people seeing people detransitioning. That's sometimes that's people's journeys. And you got and you gotta get over it. And 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 to add to that, Diamond, that was so beautifully said. LJ too, like y'all woke that the fuck up. Y'all always do. You said we should be able to experiment with our gender, our sexuality, our expression. And I, I just wanna say we should be able to do that shit safely. We shouldn't have to fucking worry about, oh, I'm not going to get this motherfucking job. Or if I am already working, they're going to fucking fire me. Or yeah. or I got to worry about walking, uh, catching a bus. And today I was feeling cut, but I don't really feel like I want to be put on makeup. But, you know, I just want to be, I just want to be, I kind of want to have a good day without the people on the bus fucking with me. You know what I'm saying? You just want to, you want to be and let people express themselves without violence. And um, that's all I wanted to add. So. Thanks. Hey, what's up, y'all? So we're going to take a little break to talk about the Black Futures Lab Black Census Project. For far too long, Black people, our communities have been left out of the conversation when it comes to the census, often spoken about and rarely really listened to. But this project is to end that. This is the largest survey of black people in the U.S. since, like, for about 157 years. They're trying to do something really major, especially for queer people and specifically trans people. If you remember, we were supposed to be put on the census for 2020, depending on if Hillary was elected <laughs> in 2016. But, of course, she wasn't elected. That's water under the bridge. <laughs> so we weren't put on there. So they don't even know we out here existing. 
So the Black Census Project is trying to get 200K people to fill out their survey across the country. And the survey is really, really fast. I took it and a couple of my friends took it. And so go down in the info box and check it out. It's a link. They're going to ask you questions about your experience, your concerns, even your dreams for the future. This information can prioritize specific issues for our community it can inform policy changes and it can just simply shape the agenda in a way that's for us by us so if you are black especially if you are trans go down in the info box and fill out the survey they are trying to be inclusive so they're specifically asking for trans people specifically asking for non-binary people specifically asking for queer people really 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 is really really important that we participate in this project i think it's powerful the link is in the bottom if you black go fill it out you got time it's like shoot like a five minute survey if that super super quick link is in the info box and i'm gonna repeat this at the end of the show too we're gonna lighten it up a little bit and um let's talk about um we're gonna talk we're gonna take y'all down uh, memory lane talk to y'all about some of your favorite um your favorite episodes what's your number one favorite episode so um i guess we'll start we can start it off with uh let's start off with you mia my favorite episode was the benzino and cell block babies episode but not not more so the benzino and shana brooks thing more so like the um cell block babies thing um <laughs> First of all, Diamond in these title, titles, Miss Thing, she needs a deal for this. But still black Because <laughs> the way she <laughs> geniusly, like, like knows how to clickbait, it's like, bitch, what you mean? Sell black babies and then zero. Sell black babies. You know? So that was, that was one of my first, um, that was one of my favorite ones, y'all. Um, the reason why is just, because y'all remember that um, his uh, Latinx trans woman who was murdered, uh, well, not murdered, excuse me. She um, she was put in a um, solitary confinement um, place, knowing that she had uh, uh, symptoms of schizophrenia. Um, and you're not supposed to put those type of people in um, confinement because they can have seizures. And so she ended up having a seizure. Nobody came and checked her. She was from Brazil or something? I mean, she was from New York. Um, she ended up, um, Diamond might be able to. Laylene Polanco. Yes, mm-hmm. Laylene. Um, she um, she passed away, unfortunately, um, because of the neglect of um, of them, of the jailhouse. They knew exactly her conditions. It felt like they set her up to me, but... Um, from that story and knowing how trans people were treated in New York, um, it made me think like, okay, let me see what's going on. So now I'm seeing that they're trying to be progressive and they um, transferred an inmate to a, all a, a transgender uh, identified inmate to <clears throat> an all female um, unit uh, prison. And they got, Two, if I'm not mistaken, two cis women, three, excuse me, three cis women, um, pregnant. And so that's the same person. 
when we re- when we recorded it, it was two. But after we recorded it, oh, I know another person one. came out. Oh, yes. I know there was a third one. I, I want to make it clear: these was all consensual sexual experiences. Yeah. Just so yeah. we know. Make sure that yeah, they were consensual, because you know how they like to twist our words, especially us as uh, black trans people. Um, and so I remember commenting and saying, well, she don't got no, like, how can you say that this is actually a trans person? Because they don't got no hair. Where's your hair at? You don't got no hair. You ain't like, it's giving me. Uh, you got this little matted up piece of ball or yarn and you done glued it to your head. You said you jail. I was reading. <laughs> and I felt... He's in jail. <laughs> and, and exactly, Ty. So <laughs> later on, like like I said, when I, I speak and we have conversations on the podcast, later on, I think about what I said and um, I reflect. And so reflecting on that, I was like, damn, like, besides all the extra legal bullshit, what message did I just send to younger trans, black, or queer kids or or trans girls who are are trans feminine um, women who want to transition that you can't wear a bald head or you or you can't be and you're not considered a woman or you have to have these things in order to be considered a woman and i started to realize the oppression that i was um unconsciously giving out that i received as a, a younger trans woman and i was like damn that that's putting trans women in a box that super high film Barbie doll plastic fucking box that even biological cis, even cis women can obtain. And so I, I felt guilty about that. And I, I wanted to retract my statement by saying, no matter how, you know, how you present yourself, and this is actually how I feel, no matter how you present your femininity or your transness, it's valid. Like we were just talking about the non-binary is so it's so important because it frees all of us, um, which is what Diamond said. And I love I, you, that's one of the things I've uh, it, just in and and bring it back to the anniversary. Mm-hmm. I, I love seeing that you do this. When, really? Uh, Thank when you. You come when you when you'll say something that I'm like, oh, that's wow. <laughs> and, and then you'll—it's it, like you—something you'll, happens. You'll come back. You'll get it, and, and you get it. And like I know you get—you know how some people they'll—they'll uh, they'll say, "Oh, I didn't." I'm, they'll just apologize or just say whatever, you know, just to try to soothe over to make sure people don't, you know, don't look at them funny or weird. And, but I can tell it's like really. Oh, I—I I, I get it now. Yeah, and thank you. And I. I I really appreciate it because sometimes I wonder how it's coming across. No, I told I totally I, I love that about that whatever that is that that you bring to the show. When you do that, when you have those those things, it you can tell you really went back and I got to get this. I get and you know everybody you know gets it gets gets things at their own at their own pace. And I love that right. you come back and say it. You know. Yes, ma'am. I just want I just want to show people that I'm human. I'm yeah. not uh, Mia Mix, the podcaster, bitch. I am 
I am a human being. I make mistakes and I am a binary trans. I'm a growing trans woman in my experience. Oh, that's right. So I think that if I'm growing, I should give, and other people should give other trans, black, queer people to grow, room to grow in their expression and their gender identity. Don't put people in boxes if you don't want to be in them. Well, Diamond, we're, uh, we're, we're going to go to you. But can you tell me what your favorite episode was? So my personal favorite was, it's a, it's a recent one. Um, um, it's the... Two two forty two. It is the possibility models of the pink. Where I brought on this is an interview one. Where I brought on um, three guests, and we talked about the finale of P Valley, and I just thought that was an amazing episode. I just I love when um I love when my I got some amazing ass friends. Let's just say that I got some ma- amazing ass friends, and I love when. I bring folks on and they can talk they shit and they are competent and they know what the fuck they talking about. And they have analyzed their personal experience enough to make it relate to the culture, especially when we're giving a, a cultural commentary about some art or a film or music or whatever. I love a motherfucker who can really just bring the noise when it comes to analyzing um, art um, on a political, socio-political level. And so the three people that I brought, Brianna, um, Furness, and Dominique, they're just really amazing at doing that. And so it just, it just talks, it spoke to many, many powerful themes. And it just was one of the ones that I was when I while I was editing, I was, I was like, oh, this, ah, this gonna this, ah, this gonna hit them hard. This gonna fuck them up. Ah. Just, in my mind, I was like, yo, this is sometimes when I hear stuff that we say or that we put out, I was like, oh, this is what I'm talking about. Pushing the culture every, you know, one single episode at the time. And this is some of them. Some episodes are just them ones that you like, oh, uh, this is some heat right here. And I want to put it out. And so that was that was one. <laughs> and so that's why it was my favorite. Because I think, you know, when we co- when it comes to where we the power of where we are right now is we are we are seeing um, some of our real life characters come and experiences come to life in a multitude of ways and seeing that and being to have a, having a platform where we can examine it and talk about it on a deeper level and not just is and not just be so thirsty that we're taking any little raggedy old thing i remember in the 90s every little thing that we saw about transness it just was like ooh, even even if it was toxic we were like oh at least we get to see ourselves <laughs> at least you get what i'm saying at least we get to see ourselves but now we're in a place where we have enough um representation to where we can have a critique and we can push um the ryan murphy's of the world the janet mocks of the world the the people who are actually daring to bring our character in the um um Patrick Ian Polk's of the world, people who are daring to bring our characters to life, really push them in a better direction to um, represent us. And so that is powerful. That is, I'm glad that I'm alive because a lot of people didn't make it to this spot. And so I'm glad that I am alive in a time where we are seeing that kind of push. And so, yeah, it's just that that episode was powerful for me. Yeah, because some people only got the crying guy. <laughs> Some people only had the crying game. <laughs> <laughs> crying game. <laughs> and that was somewhere representation. Um, uh, LJ, 
What about you? What was your favorite episode of the year? What was your favorite episode and why? My favorite was actually two, I think it was 236, Bodies Just Out. It just was a, I feel like personally, everything we were talking about and just my experience being on the show, it was kind of like, a, I'm, you know, kind of we talked about earlier, just kind of getting more comfortable, kind of in the groove of things. Um, yeah, I feel like that was uh, one of the episodes just on, on this side of things where I felt like we were just like, you know, everything was just uh, the rhythm of the show. Like, I felt like I was getting into rhythm more when we got there. Um, in addition to the fun conversations about Juneteenth ice cream. <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a fun episode because it was a mix of serious stuff, talking about the assisted living situation, but also, you know, having fun and talking about what in this world is happening with the gay ice cream and the Juneteenth ice cream and the Father's Day, you know, that's actually my favorite episode because it was really fun and it was a mix of the topics. And also I felt like uh, it's one of the episodes where I, feel, I like I could feel on this side of things uh, as we were uh, recording the episode that we were like in the rhythm of, uh, of the show. Um, so, yeah. One of my favorite episodes about you was um, that you did was when we were talking about black erotica. There was a it, you were bringing out some of like the old school blogs, some of the old school books. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I never even thought about this stuff. I never, you know, because it wasn't my tea. It wasn't for me, yeah. uh, you know, but just seeing, you know, that's good when when you the good thing about having somebody with the um, assigned female at birth history is that, that you bring a different kind of context. And so uh, that's one of my for me, that's when you were another episode that you were kind of open and bringing your own flavor to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love. What has been some uh, some challenges or hardships between you know, the group, just, you know, what is, have, have been some of your challenges or hardships that you guys have gotten through and gotten over as a collective, if well, any? I really wouldn't say any hardships. Um, challenges? I think, I guess, the, the one that is most impactful, I guess, would be Dave Chappelle. That was the, I, I think Dave Chappelle is one of, it was the, was yeah. the crux that got Z to leave. You know, the just the backlash to that. There was other things, but um, I think because of that backlash of that, I think that that was something that, you know, kind of helped push him. Of course, he wanted to do other other stuff, but I think that that was one of the elements. And so and it wasn't like a that was kind of more against us against the audience. Um, well, him against the audience and just the, the critique about the closer. Um, but I don't, internally, we don't really, we haven't clashes like that, that we don't, you know, discuss on the show. But um, I guess that would be the one that that's the closest one to, to that it has affected us because, you know, we had to, you know, we lost the host. Let's talk about your future goals with uh, with Marsha's play. Do you um, give me three goals you have with Marsha's play, if you have any for the future? What are, what are the three goals that you would have for Marsha's play? Popular opinion for the trans community was that we didn't like what Dave Chappelle had to say. Right. And so um, Z has always been somebody who speaks his mind. 
regardless if people care or they don't. <laughs> and so um, he got the backlash and I can't remember how it affected him, honestly. I think he was unbothered by it. But I wish he was here so I could ask him. But um, as far as like how I thought about it, over the time, I was I had so many different um, like perceptions of it because to be honest, I didn't really watch um, Dave Chappelle in the beginning because I felt like he had a lot of dark humor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't uh, align with it. And I, I guess I just really didn't get into him. The only thing I remember in my childhood was the Nutty Professor <laughs> and him being folded up and thrown into a piano. <laughs> but, or, or was he? Yeah, that's it. Or him, like, I remember his shows coming on as a kid. And I remember, like, um, like kids walking around with powder on their lips and face because of him pretending to be crackheads. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't think I really uh, got a chance to get into his comedy until I uh, became an adult. And he is a very, like from, my, uh, from what I see, I love the way that he expresses himself through his art. It can be very, pro- he can be problematic, but I think it's just to stare the pot uh, in the conversation. Diamond? Oh, um, I'm Dave ain't shit to me. Um, he ain't shit to me, and he, you know, he he caught us. How did you feel about that? Um, did you experience any of the backlash with the or any of those things like that? With no question, Mm -hmm. there was they were very, very specific. Um, Mm -hmm. just good. I what I said aligned with trans community. Um, I knew what, um, but how did you feel as he being a part of this, um, podcast, like how that made him feel like, how did you feel as being like the, the host of the show in my brain, in my brain, I didn't feel like, um, you could, you couldn't have told me that that would be the cause. We had we had a whole other incident when um with um Z like years before when Mia had kind of exposed that he was like walking away from her like when she was would be getting clocked in the store and sh- how she didn't feel supported in there and so in my brain there was we, he had already had an issue where the audience had said something about you know with the issue with Mia. And so I thought that that had toughened the situation, like toughened him up in the sense of he was ready for any kind of backlash. Like I'm gonna stand ten toe down on what I think. This is what I thought. I never thought that it would be, um, you know, something that you know would be a part of him walking away. But you know, I understood it too. Like you know, in the sense of that. So. It, for me, while it was going on, I was like, oh, I was preparing for it. One of the reasons why I brought Jay on is because in the in this in that process, I started to feel a different vibe. I started to, it was in 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 
during the time it it was like getting teach getting z to engage with the conversation that we were having like right before the leave in in the during the um during the conversation it because of the backlash there was a um there was these little sly comments that he was making not to me but to like to the audience about you know but this is just my opinion i'm not like everybody else like you can tell that there was some animosity towards the backlash that was happening and so it was almost like pulling teeth to get him to engage even if it wasn't about dave chappelle just to get him to come on like add your two cents it was it was almost like it was just me and mia there and so i could feel like a shift in changing and so that's why i brought lj on and a week after LJ comes, that's when he announces that he, um, you know, that he wanted to go do something else. And so in that, it just, everything was a surprise to me. So it wasn't about my opinion about Dave Chappelle. It was just a surprise how it all went down. And mm -hmm. so um, this isn't the first time that I was, that I'm against the, that I went against the grain with the trans communities. People called me a turf because of certain things that I said. Um, any one of us, all of us has um, said something in these past five years that is against what the trans, that doesn't align with what the general trans community has had to say. That's just about being a unique person. And so I didn't think, um, I didn't think it was necessarily a problem. I kind of expected it when it was going on because that's not what we had planned to talk about. <laughs> during the during the recording but that's what it ended up being and i just kind of let it ride in the sense of oh i didn't know that this what was this is what was going to be said and so yeah i didn't i didn't know the outcome but i knew that it was going to be something but i i just like while i was editing i just was like oh oh they about to get, get heated about this because <laughs> we are the black trans you know off unapologetically black trans show and so when it comes to um you know there's other shows but um we're the one that really centers blackness and so the, the i think what we think about these kind of black centered conversations particularly like a you know a, a black comedian and you know those type of things i think it's important i think people think people wait for us to respond to it people wait for us to talk about it people wait to see what we all have to say about it and so they, they make the jokes because they know we're going to uh-huh <coughs> and so i was expecting a response i just didn't know how everything was going to unfold well, let's move on to that that the number two the the second one um diamond if you can please. that one is going to be blockage and shortage lj talked about um you know there's been a shortage of testosterone and then we talked about the them blocking trans people from the uber app for whatever reason yeah there there was a um there was a shortage in terms of like just shipment essentially in terms of people getting access to the physical hormones uh test well with testosterone there was a big shortage and it wasn't just in the united states it was uh global wow when was this yeah this was what january ish december oh, wow. january february i think have yeah. there been 
has there been strides towards like fixing it or, or yeah i think it's i think it eased up now i mean i know i mean i ran into the issue personally as well um but also there were a lot of different articles out at the time around access um in particular there was one that was about access in south africa and access in canada i believe so um yeah but i think it is more accessible i think we also mentioned we talked about i think what also came up was the fact that now you can only get one milliliter vials of testosterone when i started testosterone you could get 10 milliliter vials and depending on your dose if your dose was half a ml a week or what have you you could have that for six months the pharmaceuticals because so many people are now taking testosterone and have more people have access to hormones now that they started saying oh well you know it doesn't have shelf life so you can't have a, a 10 ml bottle but really it's about making money so when you go to pick up for example when you go pick up testosterone oftentimes it's just four bottles four ml bottles to get you through each month but that's you know they make more money that way but you know all this time you had 10 ml vials and now we're going to one but anyway but yeah that the blockage was uh was a real thing like the shortage of tea was a real thing yeah and then the second one what the third the in top the three third. was miss peaches and the dutch and we were talking about um the dutch had given an apology for slavery mm -hmm. and um they had started multiple initiatives around like um undoing those harms and you know trying you know on their on their reparation shit and okay. so they we were discussing that and book bans all the books that have been banned in regards to like queer new artists like um we had um george johnson on the show last year when his book came out um all boys aren't blue um and you know just multiple books have been banned because of the critical race theory uh political conversation and so you know we were just discussing all the books that have been banned and you know books that were powerful to us and so yeah that was the third three three goals that you have um that you that you would like to see for uh your personal goals for Marsha Play. So my goal in starting this was to get to five years and to get to a million. I have hit that. So my new goal, I don't want to give a like, oh, I want to get to 10 years. It's not that. It's just I just wanted to keep to be continue to be informative however long we um however long we do it. Um, um I want to do we've only done one live show, so I want to do a live show um again that was fun and yeah I, I, I do more live shows and yeah we've been on tv we've had some tv experiences and more of that just more just a more um broader audience just more 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 okay mia um so it was what diamond said um just another live show the first live show we did in brooklyn it was so much fun um uh tea with queen and jay was uh tea oh excuse me queen and jay was there all all the baddie brigade um 
Um, even what's their name? The grapevine was in the back in the cut. Um, they had some other people that was there. It was such a like beautiful vibe. I still have like videos and stuff of it. And so I would love um, to do another live show, but this time in Europe, I was thinking like London. I don't know. I'm just being extra. 15% of our income goes to um, either charities or specific people who are in need that hit us up for different um, care needs. So that's something we do, has been doing for our whole five years. Anytime somebody like slide in our inbox for um, any kind of resources, if it's something that we can afford, because we don't make a lot of money, but if it's something that we can afford, um, we do 15% is literally a, a bank of money that goes to whatever. So we have, we, in our, in our past, we don't really talk about it because that's not something we need to talk about, but um, um, we have paid for school books. We have paid light bills. We have paid phone bills. We have paid, um, we have paid portions of rent. We had, we don't make enough money to have to pay somebody's rent, but we have given somebody something on rent. Um, We have paid car notes. We have, we have paid like instant, like it's sent Instacart food to people. And so, yeah, we have done, we have done small things because it's not like we're rich, but anytime that is something like reasonable that people need, we actually have um, actually done that. I like more trans masculine voices, do interviews and highlight, you know, different um, organizations and resources. Cause there's a lot of stuff out there, but you know, a lot of times it's kind of, a little bit over here, a little bit over there, a little bit over here. Um, and as everybody on here knows, a lot of times just, you know, stuff that sl- slips through the cracks. And since we have such a large uh, audience, I think that, you know, this was one thing that's in my personal wheelhouse in my work history is just really just trying to move stuff, move resources, connect folks to things. And so I, I hope to uh, a goal of mine is to be more involved and, and really step up in that way. Yeah. And I don't stop them from doing interviews. Anytime they tell me they want to do something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't want to exactly. be like, I'm the say, mega I was going to say, Diamond Pie is happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah she's, <laughs> she's probably happy about that. I'd be very ready. Okay. As long as y'all got y'all schedule it, I'd be like, hey, do y'all thing. I just edit it. And I, I, I have been wanting that for a very, very long time. So, you know, you know, cause it, it just releases the pressure off of me. And so um, I don't stop it from happening. So just so we are very clear anytime they want to have somebody on the show that is, you know, they want to interview them. I don't mind doing that and I'll let them do it. And one more so, thing. Um, yeah. I got one more thing. It's like 3.5 <laughs> is uh, I, I haven't had this experience yet uh since joining but to be involved with other like crossover shows or whatever kind of whatever the mix of things of people i think we should connect to more like black straight shows like i think that would be interesting because you know they don't never hear from us and that would wake it up and then that would expose us to like different audiences and stuff but lj i think that you should definitely get more trans masculine voices because z tried to and they paid him dust to Infinity and Beyond. Now, I don't know what the fuck it was, maybe it's because he's light skinned. Or- <laughs> hey, I, I don't know if it was just the light bright. No, I'm just kidding. But I will say this you know, an ongoing thing between what uh, over the last, you know, I started transitioning medically 12 years ago, almost in like a week, you know, it's so my little anniversary. And um, over that time, 
what I've learned within the community also is just like not even holding people to certain things the way I did before I transitioned, because as trans people, we just got so much stuff going on. And so I don't really take it as personally in the way that I used to like use like you're like folks pay them dust. It's like probably because you know like stuff be coming up. And so I've really learned how to have a little bit more patience uh, with other folks in the community around uh you know, be engaging in things. You know, a lot of folks, especially a lot of, you know, uh, I don't I don't really have a lot of, I can't, my experience with trans masculine folks and trans men, black folks, it, you know, stuff just pops up and it just be like, <laughs> it just be like that, you know? Um, and so anyway. Uh, uh, LJ is being very politically correct. I'm not going to be. Sometimes he's- no, like, no, no, no. Sometimes these motherfuckers is shady and beyond bullshit, and no, I'm not, we're, I'm not not big enough, we're not big enough for them to pay attention oh, to because there is oh, literally there's, I, I, not not the um, trans masculine. I, I let mm. Z handle that, but um, unless <laughs> certain ones, there have been yeah. trans women. There is okay. not not one trans woman particularly celebrity trans woman that i have not asked to be on this show so if they have not been on this show it is not because i have not asked <laughs> mm -hmm. i have mm -hmm. i have slid in even there's some that i know personally there's some that i got their numbers i got their email i got uh, i have slid into them and talked to them before and it's always some kind of excuse but you know other podcasts like the cisgender podcast they love to jump on and run on them so you know, sometimes it's just shady and they don't um, don't, um, you know, take us seriously because we're not a cishet. You know, we're not an entity in the, in that kind of way. And so and that's OK, but it's not always because they got something going on is sometimes it's just that <laughs> you know, they don't value us as they value cis people. Mm. So I'm going to um, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know. I don't know all the deets. You just out here tell the truth, shame the devil. I don't know all the deets, but okay. And 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 honestly, you guys have a a a, a large cis head following. Uh, Diamond was showing me the numbers uh, that that you guys said. Congratulations again on hitting your one million listeners. And they just mm -hmm. where they break it down. They break it down. You guys got folks ev everywhere listening to you guys. So um, I mean, it's it's really their loss for not trying to no shit. come to their platform come to this platform and you know really get the tea you know? yeah, it's literally. like this is a like diamond has created this foundation where you can let your hair down like yes. you can yes. you can you can be yourself and you don't get that space everywhere most oh. of the time you gotta be studious and you gotta you know you gotta put on this face you gotta be you gotta do what your publicist said and all this extra stuff, but I, I would, you would think because we have this space, it's like, hey, it's, it's, it's by us for us. And this has been our most successful year to date. Um, usually we range about, um, 200 in, in the whole year, we usually range between like 150,000. We got to 160,000. That was the third year and the fourth year we were like one, um, we were like 200 something. Mm -hmm. And this year we have broken our record and we have 330,554 listens. Hi, anniversary. 
So exactly. So uh, we continue uh, to grow. We continue to um um have great numbers and we are doing we doing what we do. And you mm-hmm. know, the people, it's not like we don't got a list of trans activists we got a whole archive of trans people who have been on the show that we appreciate and um from celebrity ones to um you know just movement people and and some people that you might not even know that i just thought have a powerful story and so the people who came on are the people who were meant to come on and i enjoyed it so yeah 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 (laughs) Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme you a feeling and the high. This year, um, in 2022, what has brought y'all gender euphoria what has brought you made y'all feel joyous made y'all feel happy made y'all feel you know just a sense of joy in this year period being a part of the show has brought me a lot of gender just uh euphoria this year you know i also live in white land i moved to white land i moved from 40 percent black minority majority black and latino to latinx to to white land so to be able to be in this space is very grounding for me uh to you know it's very uh the west coast can be very passive aggressive or aggressively passive so to be able to be in a space where we can have direct conversations um and uh you know these are the kind of conversations some of the conversations we have are conversations i'm used to being able to have with my people you know and because i've relocated the pandemic and all that kind of stuff it's just not as accessible in the same kind of way um, so for me, it brings me a lot of gender euphoria to come into a space to be un- unapologetically, authentically black, authentically queer, authentically trans, uh, to be able to talk to some other trans people that was church kids, <laughs> you know, you know, and, you know, share some of these experiences um, as black people who grew up within the governance structure of the black community. And then, you know, we have a lot of diversity in the community of black folks from our own uh, experiences. For me, um, it brings me a lot of euphoria to be able to, I don't have to explain stuff. You know what I mean? Like I obviously I have to explain stuff, but you know, cause we had that conversation before where we were talking about uh, trans women and trans men and shade. And I was like, well, I don't know what y'all do over there. Like, you know what I mean? Like I got to slay some stuff over here, you know, but in terms of, you know, especially thinking about like past experiences, the experiences that shape us into who we are as people, um, that you know, I'm I'm able to uh, be in this in in this space without having to do too much uh, translation, and I appreciate that. And that definitely, uh, yeah, like I said, it grounds me and brings me euphoria to be with my people. Especially we had you know uh, BTAC in a couple of years and conferences and things, and you know the gatherings that used to happen, regardless, you know, in the same kind of way with different events where you would have a lot of Black trans people together um, because of COVID and X, Y, and Z. Um, so to be able to be in this space every week, it brings me a lot of euphoria, uh, gender euphoria to be with my, to be with my people, you know? So, yeah. Yo, like I haven't had like prior to the most recent surgery I had, I haven't had any surgery. 
And I had really bad body uh, image issues because of the way how square my body looked in some of my clothes. So having a uh, gender affirming surgery, which some people perceive as cosmetic, which was very affirming for me, it's, it's changed. Um, it's changed. It changed me a lot. Um, I'll just be um, transparent because I think it's um, I think it's appropriate, especially when people think look at me and it's like, oh, you 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 have it so easy. You never get clocked all that bullshit. Yes, I do. And I got clocked with my mask on in the beginning of the pandemic with a fucking mask on. And afterwards, after having surgery, I haven't had that issue. And I don't know if that has to do with my body or like, you know, when you're a trans person, you think about shit like, that. OK, like, was it my body that was brewed? Is that how I was getting clogged or was it maybe I didn't, you know, what, whatever it could be. And so um, I'm, I'm guessing it, it was based off that, but it seems like it's just been easier to um I, or maybe it's just mentally, I feel more comfortable. And the last thing, bitch, I'm seeing you move the way I, I envisioned you to move. Like being able to like go and 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 be spokespersons at all these different places, these events and rub shoulders with people that you've been talking with. I think it's absolutely amazing that you that you are able to get what you deserve because you've been putting this motherfucking work. So that's mm. that that was my euphoria because because Diamond has put a lot of her life's work into making sure that black queer voices, specifically black trans voices, have been heard. And she deserves her due dose. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. This year has been a lot of fucking dreams come true like a lot on so many levels um this is the first year that i've been overseas um and i had never been in in i've been to like north american countries you know for surgeries and you know shit like that but um to go overseas and spend time over there that was a dream come true and i got other trips that are coming that are at the end of this year that are amazing um but I just, I'm a film producer, y'all. Uh, my film just got released last Monday. Um, it is called um, Intentionally Erased, and it is a conversation between um, Black trans men and uh, Black trans women and cishet men and talking about the violence. And um, yeah, we got into the out, out, on film film festival in atlanta and yo just being there and having a panel and just seeing the crowd to see people show up and to give um to give their responses and just all the great feedback that we've had it just it just was amazing that's something that somebody investing in me and in a dream of mine to create you know this kind of conversation that i haven't seen before um was a dream come true um you know the numbers that we have hit on our podcast um being that consistent i think people don't understand how um difficult it can be to be as consistent as we have like we literally have um 
you know, try, you know, sometimes we fall short, but consistently put out a weekly podcast every week. There's some weeks that we have missed, but most we have not. And so um, putting out a weekly podcast, except for during October, we always go on break in October. So we don't, um, um, you know, record during October. And so for us to consistently for 11 months, week by week, put something out to entertain y'all and to educate y'all and share our life with y'all, um, that kind of vulnerability, that kind of um, consistency for five years, I think is dope. I think I love it. I love that I do it and I love that I do it with y'all. And so all those things combined in this particular year of me being able to travel to go to places I've never been and me able to get dreams of goals accomplished and my baby being getting the goals accomplished. All those combinations of things have been euphoria to me. I have been in the game for a long time. I I do feel like I have gone unsung sometimes, but the 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 positive of that, I, I've said this before. While I may not be having these big, 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 big platforms, there is not one, there's very few trans people that can say that they don't know me or haven't seen my work. <laughs> so what it tells me is my, that my work is for my people. <laughs> that I, I I go into spaces and while some cishet person may not know, some cis ally or something may not know me, some trans persons in the room say, yeah, I've been watching Diamond since you, since I was 11, or I've been watching Diamond since 2008, or I've been knowing her or somebody who went to college with me or somebody who went to high school with me. So being impactful to my own community was powerful to me, even if it is not seen on some big old stage, I know it's impactful because of what I'm seeing, the response from my community. And so that is way more important to me than any kind of, um, you know, big ass platform. That is what I, that is my, that is what I love about the work that I do. And so this Marsha's Plate is a part of it. And I love that y'all are on this journey with me. And that's it. Just be yourselves freely, you know, just how you are on this platform is is enough is mm -hmm. enough and i think you see that re receive that and keep pushing forward you guys are amazing you don't realize how many people you touch and and seeing you know even seeing them uh the the schematics that i've seen that diamond has shown me for you know the the growth of the show the listeners the uh the responses interactions you guys are doing amazing work and I hope that you guys continue because your voice is definitely needed. Definitely, definitely needed. You made me think about the places that our numbers, not just our numbers and how many people, just the places, the places, the places, the places. that we are showing up in is like, has been wild, crazy. When I think it was about agony, some of those places, I was like, oh, there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's such a, uh, interesting uh, demographic of people. Let me share some of the places, as a matter of fact. So in 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 our numbers, what is like the highest numbers, period? We're talking about Portugal, Japan, Ireland, Singapore, Puerto Rico, South Africa, Netherlands, France, Brazil, Mexico, Switzerland, Israel, the Arab Emirates, um, Belgium, Barbados, India, when we think about um, Kuwait, 
Denmark, Nigeria, even fucking Uganda, <laughs> Russia. Like literally these are people who, you know, have anti-gay laws where it's They're illegal. Sneaking watching y'all. Sneaking They're and listening sneaking. to us. Yes. Like you get what I'm saying? Like that kind of um, like that's fucking dope to me. <laughs> it makes me feel, I don't know. That makes me feel amazing if people are listening to us in these kind of really extremely violent and homophobic and transphobic places and listening to us and whatever it get, any kind of hope that is giving them or any kind of um if there's a monicum of hope that they're getting from it that's dope as fuck to me i love it i love it <laughs> well thank y'all for listening and thank you, Ty, for spending time and hosting with us. And, you know, I love you, sister. You are amazing. Tell the people where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the underscore grand underscore dom, D-O-M. That's where I'm at. And I'll put, that, I'll put that link in the bottom. Thank y'all for giving us an amazing five-year run. I'm saying that like we're over. <laughs> no, <laughs> amazing five years so far. And yeah, what y'all want to say, Mia and LJ? So first of all, Miss um, Ty, are you still doing shows? I am. Don't forget I'm, I'm that. Go, I'm about to go do one shortly. I'm Don't actually about to that. leave Don't up out of here. Where can they find you in Houston um, to do your shows? Oh. When you do oh, well, your shows? I'm I'm all over Houston. They're really I work at every club. I'm probably one of the few um queens that does work at every club. Every Which club. club? But Which where club? You can find me. It's actually a straight club, but we do shows there on Wednesday nights. And it's called Grand Prize Water. Oh, wow. It's very nice. They treat us so well. They love us there. I've I've had the show there for over we're going a year and a half now. It you know, a straight club just decided that they wanted to drag show. They picked they let let us come through there and we've been there. They love us, they pay us what we want. Yeah, they Thank you all for listening uh, to the show and, and also welcoming me uh, in a loving way. I appreciate it and look forward to uh, more and more and more years uh, with Marsha's Plate podcast, Black Trans podcast. And yeah, thank you all. Stay tuned, baby. You never know what Dom is going to come up with. So yeah. <laughs> keep your seatbelts on, baby. Fast. Yeah. Yo, listen. All right. Talk to y'all later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Peace. And just in case you forgot, go down in the info box and fill out the Black Census Projects survey. You ain't got nothing to do. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and fill it out. You got two, three, four, five minutes to be on fast. You can do it. Go ahead. It's in the it's in the inbox. We're gonna post a link on our Twitter and we're gonna have it on our Facebook. In our bio on Instagram, wherever. Easy for you. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's going to be all right. Oh, don't you worry about a thing. Baby.